Hello, everyone. Um, it's great to be with you here in person. I'm a bit out of practice in, in talking to a real audience rather than down the Teams or Zoom lens. Um, I want to start by saying that digital transformation is a bit like fly spray. You kind of fly, spray it about. You can see the mist. You can usually smell it. Not everyone reacts well to the smell. But after a minute or so, there's actually not much to see. What is it? Where is it? Um, and so there's a lot of kind of mystique written around digital transformation. One thing that's very rarely acknowledged in terms of the concept of transformation is that usually transformation leads to winners and losers. Let's hope there's not too many losers amongst us on the floor by the end of the conference. Um, the other part to definitions of DX, to make it sound a little bit more exciting, digital transformation, is it's really infused with the language of technological determinism. Um, when it's really much more about cultural change, um, deep and challenges to the ways we've done things in the past, um, to inherently question our value proposition, if you like. Here's a recent definition, only just published a matter of weeks ago about digital transformation in the context of digital technologies for teaching and learning. And again, in this definition, you see the strong focus, albeit that it's multi-dimensional, but a strong focus on improvements without necessarily acknowledging that this is not always better. Um, so the literature, again, is woven with the rhetoric of the way in which transformation is going to make our lives, our learning, better. And the rhetoric conjures up this image of digital transformation being a bit like the butterfly that emerges from the chrysalis. Uh, chrysalis. It, it sort of happens almost overnight. You can see it. It's a real thing. Um, well, this is quite a nice quote because... I want to challenge this kind of imagery in terms of thinking about digital transformation because Westman said um, that digital transformation, yes, can result in the butterfly, the beautiful butterfly, maybe a moth on occasions, but more often than not in many respects, it's just a fast caterpillar um, going even faster. So what I'm trying to do here is just set the scene, challenge our thinking a little bit, and I want to keep things as simple as possible. It's a trait I like to capture in my work. So I want to just talk about digital transformation in a very simple way in the way it has um, benefited my life and possibly yours as well in respect to digital transformation with a big T or a small T. I didn't come today by taxi, but I'm going to be catching a taxi not too long uh, later today. And during the COVID crisis, a really small T transformation, impactful small T transformation, was that taxis took cards in Dublin, in Ireland, I think. Um, that meant I no longer had to make sure I had cash in my wallet or and when I'm at the airport, go to the cash machine before I line up. For me, this was really quite transformative as a process, a small T process. We might take it for granted now, but it really, um, for those people who arrive from the States without Euro in their wallet, um, quite a big transformation when they've realized they can't use their cards. 
So I don't know if that resonates with you, but I want to extend this a little further because there is a risk when we're talking about digital transformation that we have false clarity because the taxi example still gets me to the same destination. Where I go hasn't been transformed, just the process, a small t transformation. Well, the use of new technology in education has a very long history. This comes from the work of Skinner and with pigeons, um, and here we have the, in the 1950s and in the 60s, the development of the teaching machine that was gonna transform education. Have a look at this and see if you make any connections. Um, a group of pigeons there in, I think it might be teams or I might be doing a disservice. You know, the more things change, the more things um, stay the same. Perhaps it's Zoom. Doesn't really matter, does it? And we're now we're hearing a lot about hybrid learning. And this is a real example. You can see the university it comes from. Synchronous hybrid learning, bringing people remotely into the live class. False clarity in that the underlying pedagogy has not changed. They're in rows. It's a bit sad they're all men, too. I believe it's an engineering subject, but nothing has fundamentally changed. The technology has, but the underlying pedagogy has not. So I think we need to be very careful when we're thinking about digital transformations that um, we don't fall into the habit, which is what history has taught us, of merely trying to tame the technology according to the ways we've done things previously. This um, particular model is quite critiqued in the literature, but it's a useful visual to give you a sense of most discussions around digital transformation are not truly at that redefinition, reimagination end. Um, not to suggest that there's anything wrong with enhancements either. I want to give you a few examples. Um, I've only got a few minutes left, but to capture what we sort of understand about digital transformation and the literature that I tend to place more emphasis on, clearly it's not an end point, it's a journey, there's a process that we're going through. Um, very rarely do we see something overnight fundamentally change, and it's also multifocal or multi-faceted um, in the number of dimensions that are affected. So that's just a recent kind of uh, definition in the literature. Uh, earlier this year, I published this very quick paper. Um, sounds a bit now I'm saying it like self-promotion, not intended to be. I'm only going to capture a couple of these, a handful of these bigger picture transformations to concretize some of what we will then talk about putting into practice. Um, the point of sharing this is that you're welcome to read in more detail. So one of the things I think is really interesting, my first example, um, we have entered the era of the commercialization, the platformization of education, but typically these crucial stakeholders, a multi-billion industry, do not come to these sorts of events. I'm not sure, maybe I'm wrong. Um, where are these stakeholders when we're discussing what quality and qualifications look like? For me, they need to be around the table. We need to be around the table with them. And there's a tendency to polarize, almost demonize the OPX or the OPM sort of sector. So that's a challenge. And a subset of that, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this initiative that occurred during the pandemic, 
Um, no university involved here in the unbundling of qualifications. Just last week in Australia, Google announced 20,000 free scholarships for Google career certificates. Um, no university involved. So we're going to be talking about micro-credentialing at the end of the conference or towards the end, I believe. So I won't elaborate. So that's big tech examples. Here's a small tech example of the unbundling of student support services. In this case, this is a writing support service and writing development service. We actually trialed this quite successfully at DCU, where students can use this any time of the day, and they get feedback on their assignments before they submit them within a KPI of 48 hours. We found it was more like 24 hours. You might not be able to see that clearly, but what we found from the analytics is the students use this service seven days a week, no drop-off, and the time in which they were using it was like when our physical writing center closed. So an example of third-party unbundling that enhances the quality of the student experience, but also raises many other challenges. Third example, set against the big ed tech that I showed you in the commercialization, is the openness movement. It's kind of almost polarized, and, and the openness movement is a movement. It's about an ethos of openness, embracing openness. As an ethos, where ultimately quality almost exists in the crowd, or the cloud. Um, and this is right at the opposite in many respects of the commercial sort of agenda that I shared as the first example. I don't have time to elaborate further, but for me, the openness movement, we heard about open science from Linda. This is one of the big trends that we're seeing. Then I can't not um, touch on the role that AI is having. It's in your pocket right now or in your purse or handbag or wallet or whatever it might be, That probably not your wallet unless it's super small. But um, this is a piece we just wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago. You right now can have your essay or your journal article written by AI. This is not fictional, this is possible now. What does this mean for quality? Is it cheating for someone to do this? We once said it was cheating if you used a spell checker. I remember when I did that and I was told I was cheating. So there are fundamental questions here, what this means for academic integrity. And last example, because I know I'm gonna get the evil eye from Tony in a second. Um, we hear a lot about the metaverse. Remember I said digital transformations infused by the language of technological determinism. There's a long history of failed innovations here. I struggle with the real world, let alone wanting to be in a, a metaverse or a virtual world. But we shouldn't deny what the possibilities are. This could fundamentally change what we understand interaction to mean um, and the way in which we can interact in virtual worlds with virtual scenarios and so forth. So I think this is on the horizon, but we need to be suspicious and critical with all of these technologies. Wrapping up, Two final remarks. In my observation, what we tend to hear is a lot of talk about education in change, that somehow we have to respond to the change, that we are future takers. We have to take this future that's changing before us. We see less and hear less about the education for change in which we want. Perhaps we heard some of that in the opening sessions, the good university as an example. What is the change that we actually want and how might digital transformation help us enable that change? And ultimately, and I'm gonna play on that um, concept of, and, and the book 
uh, around the good university in this final quote. For me, the good university or the good institution for education, if I want to decouple it from just universities, and digital transformation is fundamentally a conversation about what constitutes the good society and how might we achieve that society through new digital technologies. One for all, not just for the privileged. I'll stop on that note. Thank you.